0: The first reading comes from 2 Kings chapter 1, verses 1 to 17, and if you're following it in the Pew Bible, it's on page 356 in the Old Testament. After the death of Ahab, Moab rebelled against Israel. Isaiah had fallen through the lattice in his upper chamber in Samaria and lay injured. So he sent messengers telling them, Go, inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron, whether I shall recover from this injury. But the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, the Tishabite, Go up, go to meet the messengers of the king of Samaria, and say to them, Is it because there is no god in Israel that you are going to inquire of Beelzebub, the god of Ekron? Now therefore, says the lord you shall not leave the bed to which you have gone but you shall surely die so elijah went the messengers returned to the king who said to them why have you returned they answered him there came a man to meet us who said to us go back to the king who sent you and say to him thus says the lord Is it because there is no God in Israel that you are sending to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron? Therefore you shall not leave the bed to which you have gone, but shall surely die. He said to them, What sort of man was he who came to meet you and told you these things? They answered him, A hairy man with a leather belt round his waist. He said, This is Elijah the Tishabite. Then the king sent to him a captain of 50 with his 50 men. He went up to Elijah, who was sitting at the top of a hill, and said to him, O man of God, the king says, come down. But Elijah answered the captain of 50, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your 50. Then fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Again, the king sent to him another captain of fifty with his fifty. He went up and said to him, O man of God, this is the king's order, come down quickly. But Elijah answered them, If I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and your fifty. Then the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed him and his fifty. Again, the king sent the captain of a third fifty with his fifty. So the third captain of fifty went up and came and fell on his knees before Elijah and entreated him, O man of God, please let my life and the life of these fifty servants of yours be precious in your sight. Look, fire came down from heaven and consumed the two former captains of 50 men and their fifties. But now let my life be precious in your sight. Then the angel of the Lord said to Elijah, go down with him, do not be afraid of him. So he set out and went down with him to the king and said to him, thus says the Lord, Because you have sent messengers to inquire of Beelzebub, the God of Ekron, is it because there is no God in Israel to inquire of his word? Therefore, you shall not leave the bed to which you have gone, but you shall surely die. So he died according to the word of the Lord that Elijah had spoken. His brother, Jehoram, succeeded him as king, In the second year of King Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat of Judea, because Ahazah had no son. The second reading comes from Luke chapter 9, first of all verses 28 to 36, and then later in the chapter verses 51 to 56. And if you're looking for that in the Pew Bible, it's on page 74 and 75 in the New Testament. which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, is it, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent and in those days told no one of any of the things they had seen. When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messages to go ahead of him. On their way, they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him, but they did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But he turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village.
1: So this Sunday is actually Transfiguration Sunday. and so i thought i'd talk and share a little bit about the transfiguration and what stories and, and message it may have for us here this morning at bloomsbury what i want to do is to talk about how this sunday how this story is the beginning of a chapter it is the beginning of a new phase for jesus he is heading towards jerusalem now it is a for transfiguration sunday for churches is the last Sunday before Lent starts. And so is the last Sunday is sort of the chapter heading between Epiphany and the Lent period. And I wonder whether we are at a new chapter as well, a beginning of a new time as a community. Perhaps it is a beginning of a new time in your life, personally. And what I want us to think about this morning is, what is that chapter going to be about What is the heading? What will it look like by the time we get to the end? Where will we be? And I want to do this by learning how we should listen to God's voice. Not a human version of God's voice, but what God is actually saying to us. And I think a good way of doing this is to have a look at the story of the transfiguration. So the story of the Transfiguration is Jesus taking Peter, John and James up a mountain and then Moses and Elijah kind of appear, heroes of the Hebrew faith, and then Peter seems to want to go camping and God tells him to be quiet and listen to Jesus. And then the the disciples go back down the mountain, kind of confused, which I don't blame them for. As I said in the church calendar, this Sunday is looking at the next part of the church's life, which is that leading up to Resurrection Sunday, to Easter Sunday. It is a revelation on top of a mountain of Christ's glory before the Passion. It is a revelation of who Christ is going to be and what he's going to do on the cross. The church celebrates this as a time of foundation, of start as we go into our Lent period. thinking about how to get ourselves ready for resurrection sunday for easter this story is a foreshadowing of the easter story it says that when it is he was getting ready to depart he, and there he's talking to moses and elijah about this departure it's foreshadowing what is to come next and peter doesn't really want to go camping he it says tense but what Is understood by what Peter's wanting to do is to create dwellings, as in um, like the tabernacle. So a dwelling of spirit, a dwelling of sanctuary. He's wanting to make holy places on top of a mountain, which for him seems completely normal, given his upbringing and his culture. You go to the top of the mountains to meet God, and you make an altar. He seemed to think that jesus is being elevated to be on the same level as elijah and moses that this is a revelation that jesus is as amazing he's not just son prophet he is as amazing as the heroes of his faith the people that he's heard about for his whole life but he misunderstands it is a product of his upbringing his history and his culture Echoing stories of Moses and Elijah going on top of hills and on top of mountains to be with God. Peter sees this connection and wants to honor God, wants to honor these people, create an altar. But it would be a false altar and a false idol that he would be creating it for. He believes he is there to witness Jesus being elevated to be a great prophet. Except that God overshadows them, a cloud forms, and says, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. In other words, Jesus is not to be considered the equal of Moses and Elijah. Jesus is God's son. And what he says is actually more authoritative than anything Moses or Elijah have to say. Peter needs to listen to him. So what's so different between Elijah and Moses and Jesus? Elijah is a prophet who heard God's voice. Moses was a leader of the people. Yet both of them seem to have a view and an idea of God that doesn't match Jesus' revelation of who God is. Namely, God seems to be violent for them. Our first reading, 2 Kings, Elijah is calling down fire from heaven. To, are you, 20 people? Was it? No, 50, no, 100 people, wasn't it? 50 each. Two groups of 50, so 100 people burnt up. And then the king himself dies. The second reading where they're heading to, Jesus is setting his face towards Jerusalem, starting to walk in that direction. And he sends a group out ahead of him to a Sumerian village. You can, in the context of Understanding Elijah's God and the the God that they've been learning about, you can understand why James and John's response was, Well, shall we they've rejected you, we should call down fire from heaven. They're not listening to Jesus. They misunderstand. Actually that specific passage. Our translations make it sound as if the Sumerians were rejecting Jesus. But there are other translations that make it more of a passive. They just didn't receive him. He didn't go there. He went somewhere else. Yet still the disciples seem to want to rain down fire on God's enemies. Because they're still listening to Moses and Elijah and this God of violence a God of wrath, a God of fear. They have not yet learned to listen to Jesus' voice above all others. That story actually takes place in the same region as the story from Elijah is about. They would have known and had that again this context this history this culture this idea of who god is as a wrath for god would have been in their minds as they were traveling around this part of the world and jesus turns around and rebukes them he tells them off for their desire to imitate elijah because his face is set towards jerusalem to suffer rejection He is going to be the scapegoat. He is going to be the one that the human violence is poured upon. Because Jesus came to put an end to such ideas of wrath and violence and fear. And to bring a message of love instead. I I believe that this is the writer of Luke's point in bringing this story at this point. Again it is a foreshadowing of what is to come on the cross that Jesus is doing things in a new way Moses seemed to believe in a god of violence too one that would kill firstborn send plagues and burn up priests' son who tried to catch a falling tabernacle Moses comes down from the top of his mountain top experience and he has to veil his face because the people are afraid They turn their face away from God because they cannot handle the idea of who this God is. But Jesus is more important. Jesus has not failed. He's not hidden from his disciples. He lives with them. He dwells amongst them. He loves them and walks with them. He teaches them And disciplines them. But it's all in the direction of the cross. It is all leading to that sacrifice. And ultimately resurrection. Paul sees the contrast in his letters between Jesus and Moses. He understands that as he comes to a new chapter in his life as he has this encounter on the road with Jesus, that his veiled understanding of God is removed. It's removed in order for him to have his own transformation to be made in the image of Christ. Paul's experiences of a risen and glorified Jesus, where the tables are turned and God is not requiring life. He is not requiring death. Jesus asks Saul why he is persecuting God by going around and killing Christians. The violence that Saul or Paul sees as central to this idea of God and God's nature is revealed to be human violence done in the name of God. I believe that Jesus' meeting, this idea of Moses and Elijah on the mountain, is important. I'm not sure that they're necessarily meant to be positive role models for, to rub off on Jesus. They're not supposed to be there to show that Jesus, I said before, is, is now on the same level as them, but actually as a contrast of how things seem to be and how things actually are. So on this transfiguration what is our transfiguration Sunday going to be we're coming to the end of epiphany of God's revelation and looking now forward to the cross we have this foreshadowing we have this beginning, this period called Lent what will this new chapter be for us will it be one of vision, of growth of discipline of self and self-awareness? Are we ready to ask ourselves the question of who we, are we listening to in this next chapter? Are we still trying to create tents and tabernacles to false ideas of who God is? Are we still veiling ourselves Afraid of God or are we willing to unveil, take the veil away from our eyes so that we can see Jesus for who he really is do we look at the communities around us the ones that don't do things our way and do we judge them wishing that perhaps fire would rain down upon them Metaphorically or practically? Do we see people who struggle and think that perhaps they deserve the fate that they have, that they must have done something to deserve this? Do we continue to scapegoat people? To reject people? To see people as outsiders? Or... We pick up our cross in solidarity with the outsider, the ultimate outsider, Jesus. Jesus who was declared an outcast of his own people. Jesus who was in the com- company of the Samaritans, who was seen as other Are we blaming them for what is wrong, or are we following Jesus and setting our face towards Jerusalem too? This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Who are we going to be imitating? said at the beginning that we need to understand the next chapter for the disciples there was so much about jesus that didn't make sense to them there's so much about jesus that doesn't make sense apart and separate from his resurrection in fact it is the resurrection it is easter that validates jesus's life his teachings his example his way of living and yet we are a post-resurrection people. We have the understanding that the disciples did not. We know the very end of the chapter is cross, is the cross and resurrection. The story does have a happy ending, even if the journey to get there is tough and painful. I do think that we can look at the next chapter of our lives as a people, as a group, as individuals. And know that it has a happy ending, that the road before us might be difficult, it might be hard, there may be sacrifice along the way, but there is also hope. Jesus is leading us, leading the disciples to Jerusalem for a purpose, for a reason to show them the new way of being, to show them that God is a God of love, not of wrath. What is our happy ending? The ending of this chapter, at least, anyway. What is our hope for us as a community? What will our resurrection look like? The way we get to that place, the way we get to that happy ending, to that resurrection Sunday is to make sure that we are listening to the right voice. To make sure that we are listening to Jesus' voice. Transvigoration, I believe, tells us that it is through listening to Jesus' voice that we will learn to follow him. We do not need to put up false idols. We do not need to rain down fire upon our enemies. We can love. We can change this world through love. And that is the voice of God. And what I pray for us is that it will become our voice too. That our voice will be a voice of love. A voice of hope a voice of resurrection for all those that are scapegoated all those that are like the Sumerians all those that are kept out rejected, pushed aside so once you know what God's voice sounds like what will you do? I've said a few times this is a lent period. Is there something you're going to do this lenten period? Not necessary to point giving up chocolate. But is there something perhaps you can do as a setting your face towards Jerusalem, preparing yourself for Easter, preparing yourself for the next chapter either in your life or as in our life as a community? How will you grow in love and self-awareness and grace and peace? What will you do? I pray that we look towards Easter with hope and joy and excitement in our hearts, together as one body. And as we come to the table this morning, that that is what we will consume, that love, that hope. The cross is not the end. The resurrection is that happy space that we want to get to, that happy ending. And I believe God has that in store for us. I believe God has hope for us, that he wants to see this place flourish, and grow and be a voice of love to the city around it. Amen.
2: Everlasting, beautiful God, thank you for bringing us to this place at this time together. Thank you for your provision that brought us through this week and brought us here. Thank you for our bodies in all their various states of working order that each are working, breathing, sensing, bringing us now into this moment, this silence, allowing us to pause and reflect on the week. We thank you, God, for this silence, broken only by this call to you. We call to you and bring together our community as we seek your guidance in bringing about your loving holy realm in a world rife with exclusion and segregation. We pray that women can know their worth, LGBTQIA people can know their worth, people of color can know their worth, the mentally ill, the physically impaired, the elderly, the lonely, and all those who have felt outcast from your warm, loving light can know that your holy realm is built for them. We pray specifically for those within the United Methodist Church in the US, whose hearts are breaking over the decision to continue to forbid same-sex marriages and the ordination of LGBTQIA clergy. For those whose lives are breaking due to the toll the clergy sex abuse within the Roman Catholic Church and Southern Baptist churches has taken on them and those who continue to use your name and word to bludgeon others into submission into their way of believing we pray for our global governments For the U.S., North Korea, and Vietnam, as they discuss denuclearization. For the government of Venezuela, as they destroy humanitarian aid at the border with Brazil, preventing it from reaching their people who are in desperate need. For India and Pakistan, as animosity and military action between the two countries escalates. And for our own government and all its questions. We ask for peace and understanding in these countries. And finally, we ask of you, gracious Redeemer, that we may have your provision, guidance, and companionship into this new week and throughout Lent. We love you so very much, our God. Amen.